Hello! Welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Mike Wade. Whoa! Mike Wade? Hey, so Gareth. Yeah. What's up with Royal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! So there's a little bit of a story there. Um, Obviously, we've been quiet on the podcast for a few months now, actually. Um, And Royal won't be joining us this week. And uh, maybe sometime in the future, we'll get him back on the show. Uh, But Royal's had a a change in career. So uh, he's been... He had been with Creative Connors for four years, but uh, just this fall decided it was time to move on and try his hand at something else. So sadly, we, we're going to miss him a lot, but wish him all the best of luck uh, in his new career. He's uh, going off to be a theater consultant out in L.A. But we are I am super excited, uh, Mike, that you're able to take some time today and chat with me on the podcast. Um, I think Thanks. a lot of people know Mike Wade, the 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 famous and sometimes infamous Mike Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly famous on the internet. <laughs> You're big in Japan, I hear, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but Mike, for the, for the one or two people out there that might not know who you are, um, what, what's your deal? Where do you come from? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, well, I'm the, currently the production manager at the Atlantic Theater Company here in New York City. Okay. Um, uh, and... Um, uh, I've been here for seven and a half or so years. Uh, Ooh, that's a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, get in line, Royal. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, the uh, um, and prior to prior to coming to the Atlantic, um, I uh, I was the production manager uh, for Williamstown Theater Festival for a couple summers. I was the TD there one summer, uh, which was also you know the the first summer that I used anything that was uh that was a vista or the stage hand that's right so yeah because you were the you were the f- very very first person other than myself to ever touch the stage hand in our software at the time which was a vista you were the guy who like <laughs> gave me the go ahead to to go ahead and try to release it to the world yeah yeah i mean you know either a sucker or a guinea pig one of <laughs> i don't know i don't know sure that those things are mutually exclusive <laughs> you can be both it's, it's, it's a judgment free zone baby um so yeah which is kind of a funny story because what did just uh diverge on that a little bit where that was many years ago what 2003 Three, 2003 yeah and uh what did you I don't even quite remember what were the effects on that? Do you remember? Uh vaguely. <laughs> Williamstown uh, is not known yeah. for long yeah. reflection. Yeah, long exactly. Uh we had a there was a giant turntable. Okay. It was like a like a twenty something twenty four foot maybe turntable. Okay. And uh and we had there was that and we had a there's like a, a pop-up wall. There was or a something, pop-up right? handrail. handrail. There was a pop-up. Okay. Yeah, this is like the, my nightmare. Apparently, it continues <laughs> to come back. Yeah, you do have um, an affinity for pop-up handrails. <laughs> yeah, they all work just as great. So, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and so we were trying to figure out how to you know uh, automate it without interns and um, right. and you know and then you and I had been talking from. Something in the, you know, at some point in there, you had said that you you were starting this company, and I was like, "Hey, this sounds like a great idea. Nobody's right. ever used it before, right? Right? What could go wrong. It's Williamstown. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So I was living in Rhode Island, like just like I am now, and I drove out to Williamstown with the uh, with the first 
prototype, which was a purple painted drive <laughs> and, uh, and my laptop with the first version of a Vista on it. And, uh, yeah. we couldn't actually get, I couldn't get a Vista installed on your computer. So I ended up just leaving my laptop for the summer or for however <laughs> long the run was. Yeah. I had, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, tech is awesome. Uh, so that was Williamstown. That was Williamstown. Yeah. And, um, uh, since I've been, you know, I, uh, well, prior to Williamstown, I, I worked, did some stint in educational theater at university of Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, taking the way, way back machine worked at mystic with you. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Um, and you know, way, and, way back, we went to college together. That is, I think there's like another way in there, maybe two more, <laughs> two more. Yeah. It's been a few years. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and on top of all of whatever other stuff, uh, you know, the Atlantic and things here in New York, I do some freelance work here yeah. and there and um, PM, uh, production manager and technical director work uh, in and around the city. Yeah. So, yeah. And you've been so you've been in New York for since when then? Since 2008 or before that, right? 2003. 2003. Yeah. Uh, 2000. Yeah. 2003. Yeah. Wow. And, it, and you worked uh, also at Daedalus for a bit. Yeah. I did, yeah, for a couple of years, Daedalus here in the city, uh, and uh, and a very brief stint at uh, Showman. Oh, Fabric. that's right, Showman. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've really run the gamut from... Uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm sure it's all for better. All for better. <laughs> it's all opportunities, Mike. It's all all opportunities, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat today. I, I think we got a couple of couple of fun things to to talk about in automation world so great uh so first thing i don't know if you guys have seen but there's some fancy pictures kicking around out there of some stuff we've been working on yeah they look really nice gareth yeah so we've we've, they new winches new winch (laughs) yes so the the push stick which is our deck winch um we've had the same deck winch since 2004 when we first started um and 11 years later, we decided it was time to take a second crack at it and <laughs> <laughs> and make something better. <laughs> um, and I, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. Um, something that we've been um, twiddling with that design since the summer. Um, but we've finally got it actually uh, out in the flesh or in the, in the metal or whatever you call it. <laughs> um, uh, like almost everything we do here, we screwed it up the first time. Uh, so our, the initial design, um, that we put together, uh, we were testing it, I guess in August was, we were rushing to try to get, um, the, the redesigned winch out to Steppenwolf when we were doing the big sunroof project. And, uh, we had to pull the plug on that because we were having problems with the design and it wasn't looking solid. So we ended up renting winches because we were out of our old push sticks as well. So we rented some winches from, from stage machines and, uh, sent those. And then kind of when things were a little bit quieter, I took another crack at the winch to take a look. Um, it's biggest problem was it's, uh, the frame was pretty weak. Um, in fact, under load, this is a zero fleet design. So, um, the drum tracks back and forth uh, as the winch runs. And so you don't have to worry about the cable changing its exit point from the frame of the winch. So the cable always ends up coming out um, in the same spot. 
Which is nice, right? I mean, like if you're on stage, like you don't have to worry about fleet angle and you don't have to um, have so much distance between your first set of diverters and uh, and the winch frame. Yeah, and it's also also looks like it makes it a little more more compact. It does, it does, or it can at least. But <laughs> I, again, our first design was um, it was when that when that winch drum would track back and forth under load, the frame was weak enough that it would actually pull in and hit the diverter pulleys inside the winch and crash and make terrible noises. And yeah, it was, doesn't, doesn't sound good. It was, it wasn't as good as it could be. I will say that for it. Um, and then in this, that first design was a slightly awkward size. It was kind of like a tall coffee table, if you will, um, in size. Um, we'd had discussions about doing a vertical, um, winch, but when we got started, uh, so that the drum actually tracks up and down, um, which we thought would be cool because we could basically make a, th- a skinny but tall winch. And then we yeah. thought, ah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Nobody does winches that way. Let's well, not do you that. Know, you know, it's funny you say that. I think, I believe that Show Motion out of Connecticut <laughs> makes a winch like that. Are you serious? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I remember running into one and going, wow, that's. That's really, really weird looking. <laughs> oh, see, we thought we were being so clever. Oh, man. Well, there you go. It's like there's no new idea under the sun, right? Uh, somebody had already tread on those waters. Well, uh, that's cool. I wish I had seen it because it probably would have saved us some time. and some. <laughs> it wouldn't have made us so trepidatious about trying that design out. Because in the end, when we took a second crack at it, that's exactly what we did. Is We, we turned the drum vertical so it tracks up and down now. Um, and as you were alluding to, it makes for a very compact frame because now since the drum is tracking up and down, um, it only, the whole frame only needs to be kind of as wide as the motor and winches and drum assembly. So the footprint, if you're looking at these things in plan view is only 15 inches by 28 inches. Um, so which if you stack them up, you can fit three of them where you used to be able to fit only one of the old push sticks, which is pretty great. I think it's really nice because that means like in a four foot chunk of deck, you can have three push sticks now all lined up, um, yeah. which is, which is pretty sweet. Um, they're tall. They're like, uh, almost five feet tall or something, four and a half feet tall. So there's probably no burying them under the deck. There is no burying these things. <laughs> under the deck. They work great in the trap room, but yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna, but you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because of course that was a discussion point. Um, when we redesigned it, but the, um, you know, our old winch, you couldn't really bury under the deck too, unless you had a very, very tall deck. Cause those things were like 18 inches tall or 16 inches tall. So, right. Yeah. It wasn't like a six inch deck, but you know, if you're, you're going a two foot deck. You could do it. Yes. Yes. That's totally true. This, you cannot do that with, but they're narrow enough that you can, if you're, if you have a deck like that, you can certainly slide them off to the side of the deck, you know, that yeah. fits in a 15 inch hole. So, uh, great. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. So are they are they easy to move around? They are much easier to move around than the old ones. Yeah. So they're all aluminum frame. It's all bolted together. So they're a little bit lighter. Um, they're not a ton lighter because at some point you still have that pesky motor that's yeah. <laughs> that weighs in a fair amount. Yeah. Um, but just that kind of geometry of it, uh, with it being kind of narrow and tall. Um, and all the weight down at the bottom where the motor is um, makes it really easy to move around. In fact, in the shop, we've just been moving them around on hand trucks. Um, oh, wow. And I think what we, you know, we've got actually some mounting holes on them that, that will end up 
creating accessories to, so that you can kind of like bolt wheel, like a set of wheels onto the back and then tip it. And it can be its own hand truck um, for oh, rolling wow. around. So wow, that sounds great. Then yeah. you don't have to lose your hand truck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. It's <laughs> so, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I really like them. I think they're, um, uh, they've got a couple other nice things. Like they've, obviously the Zero Fleet's a big deal. Uh, the small footprint's a big deal. They're also uh, wired up for the Stagehand Pro, which is nice. Oh, uh, nice. You've worked a little bit. You worked with the Spotline, right? On a, I did, on Guards at the Taj. Yeah. Here here at the Atlantic last and, uh, last summer in May. And that was, that's a pro machine. It's got the, how did you like that wiring setup? Um, you know, it was, uh, it was really great to have that, you know, single dough at the two plugs and we're done. Yeah. Um, uh, we did run into some excitement because where we had, I, you know, envisioned putting the winch, um, it, it barely fit. Oh, in yeah. between the scenery and then once we were you know trying to make those connections we we're like oh god we missed that too <laughs> uh but we managed to get it in there and you know not do any damage so okay yeah yeah uh but it's a it's great it's you know that um that structured wiring is pretty cool stuff yeah and uh, is this does this new push stick have two brakes no no the new no. push stick does not it's it's still just a deck winch so we've you know that we had discussions about that early on too. Like, well, do we want to make it into a hoist as well? And in the end, there's too many compromises. I, I felt um, that you have to make if you're trying to make this kind of all-purpose machine. Um, you know, you see hoists out there that are kind of trying to like double up as deck winches, and there there are a couple of nice things about a deck winch um, that you really have to have to make it useful, like having a built-in tensioner. Um, right. And this does have a built-in tensioner, and it's it's, oh. it's operated with a single um, screw jack at this point. So you just, like our old push sticks had two jack shafts that you yeah. have to t- crank and you have to keep them kind of lined up and all that. Um, this is just one, so it's a lot easier to do. Um, uh, are there, so Gareth, so you guys made this design. Are there any out there right now in the world? We did. Uh, we did make the design and there are um, some out. So we took, I should I should mention that the guy who actually designed this is uh, a awesome mechanic uh adam forster um oh, and last from the past man. yeah you know adam <laughs> we worked together at mystic yeah. and uh i'd originally uh asked adam to come out and help us kind of figure out the process for manufacturing um the push stick v2 but or the and, but when we got into it and found that the frame was having problems etc um he actually helped us redesign the whole thing um and so he and i worked together on getting that design and then getting it fabricated and the first three we put out um as rentals and they're down at theater under the stars right now in houston on uh christmas story oh that's great which was kind of a nice way to do it you know to have a new machine and be able to take it out it was a show that uh i went down with uh chris Zincon from ohio state um we hired him as a freelance installer um and chris and i went down there and got to install them and set them up for the first time, which makes me sleep easier at night. You know, like uh, just having the ability to put your hands on it first is nice. (laughs) So, so yeah, so those are out and they're, uh, we shipped three of them down there with a, with a roadie to do the control. Oh, that's great. It was, that was sweet too, to have the roadie on site, super fast (laughs) installation. Um, I think everyone, everyone liked the winch a lot. The only thing that I think kind of sucks about it at the moment is um, 
terminating the cable at the bottom of the drum. So the drum tracks yeah, vertically. <laughs> yeah. So you end up <laughs> kind of on your belly like a reptile with your head stuck in weird places. And uh, we got to work that out a little bit to make that better. Um, I think there's solutions in there, but that's the only thing we've got to really work on at the moment. So that's nice. Yeah. So that's what I've been, you know, we've been working on that and a couple other things around the shop, but I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about that, that push stick. Cause it's, I'm super excited to have the the Pushstick V2 out in the wild. It's I think people are really going to love it. We don't have any marketing material up on it yet, um, but these things are they're actually out there in the field, and we're we're making more of them now. We've got another four on the floor that are winding their way through production um, and heading out the door soon. So it's 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 kind of a kick to see uh, to see that machine with some with some new legs, if as it were. Yeah, I mean, it's a great-looking machine from the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mike, what have you been up to? Uh, so I, while we were banging away at the Pushstick V2, it sounds like you've had some automation trials and tribulations yourself. Certainly some excitement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You don't want it to be dull, right? No, no, never dull, never <laughs> dull. Well, we, uh, we were just, uh, last night, we just opened um, these paper bullets here at the Atlantic, which is a co-pro between between the, the Geffen Playhouse out in LA. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah. It, Matt, Matthew Carlton, who is no longer there, is the TD, and Evan Friedman, their ATD, were uh, yeah, yeah. Those super guys, supportive. Those guys are great, right? I I yeah. know Matthew's moved on. I think to Oregon Shakes at this point. Yeah, Oregon Shakes. But he is he's been a great customer of ours for years, and a really super guy, nice guy, and and a sharp TD. Yeah, and they're and they're uh, new TD. I mean, they Matthew left some big shoes to fill, but uh, Sam, who's out there, is uh, now is taken over for him. Is uh, is also fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Really, really good. Really lucky for them. Um, and uh, so you know, so this was a co-pro between um, between the Geffen and the Atlantic, uh, and it also originated like three or four years ago uh, at Yale. Uh, oh, okay. So. Uh, so this has had this has had this is so it's show. third production at this point. Yeah, it's third fully produced production. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and uh, you know the, uh, the how does that split up? So you guys have got some. What do what do you share at that with this? Well, uh, well. So between the Geffen and the Atlantic, we uh, we shared. Well, we shared. I mean, we shared essentially the production costs. Anything that was a a shared cost. So the scenery. Uh, any of the automation, which there was quite a bit, okay. um, that was at both spaces, um, and uh, and then we uh, and so you know so so we ended up taking uh, taking a twenty six and a half foot diameter turntable. Ooh, that's not that that's got some size to it, huh? <laughs> got some size to it, and it's pretty quick when it all gets up moving. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, that came from Stage Machines, right down the street from you. That's right, Adrian uh, Davidson. Ad- yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really great design, actually. It's a four there's four friction drive motors around the outside. Excuse me, around the outside, and the oh, center cool. is a slew ring. Nice. Uh, and the encoders on the slew ring, so its positioning is dead. You know, spot on every time. Yeah, that's nice. That is uh, nice. That's one of the things you know with our revolver that there's a compromise there that we have. We have a dancer wheel encoder that reads the edge, which is, which is really convenient because you don't have to get to the center, but you don't get that super precise positioning like you do with a center-driven encoder. Which is right. Sweet. Yeah. Right. Well, and on top, so on top of that 
26 foot turntable we put we also then for the atlantic production only automated a an 11 foot diameter band platform oh so we have a second friction drive <laughs> and so i'm sorry is that a turntable turntable okay right up on top of it and uh like a wedding and, cake uh sort of yeah you know off center off center so sure. it's, yeah so well you, you wouldn't know, want it right on center that'd be a little easy be kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> be easy why <laughs> why do that you know uh, uh so um so that we uh we actually changed uh we actually added that here because okay. as they figured it out um at the geffen it was manually moved by the crew and they they decided that that was uh it was decided that you know that that wasn't really the the look that they wanted for the show and for the transitions um you know the the stage picture is very open okay <laughs> and uh and you know so seeing seeing two or three crew members you know push this band platform around kind of breaks the <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it takes away the magic <clears throat> yes right yeah um so uh so so we had that in there um um, but other things that we actually shared automation wise is uh we have a roll drop in the show okay uh, that is actually one of the garrett's um carbon fiber oh those drops. things are cool they are really cool and they are like man the germans know how to engineer some stuff <laughs> they know how to make some machines <clears throat> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually i think that that roll drop at the geffen was one that we refit for them to make it compatible <laughs> with stagehand control yeah, it definitely is. It is theirs, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so we we actually pulled it with the show okay. uh, to New York. So um, because it worked so well. Yeah. You know, it just it's silent. Yeah. It everything about it was you know operationally perfect. Um, which was fantastic because roll drops can be a complete disaster. <laughs> they can be a mess, right? <laughs> like if the tube's not well made and yeah, the alignment's There's, weird and yeah, one one bend in it and you're done and you're done so, yeah especially and the are the drop that's on it is painted and it needs to be back painted to be opaque so it's you know it's also we're pretty much rolling up like a sheet of luon <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a big sheet of luon <clears throat> right there you go so it's exciting you know every every minute of this was exciting um and there was also uh there was also a sign that uh so the the show these paper bullets is about this Beatles-esque band from the 60s and uh and the sign is the is the uh you know it's the band name and it's lit up uh out in LA it was uh it was they electrified it wirelessly um with a bunch of uh I'm not sure exactly which dimmers they were using but there were some really cool low voltage high capacity stuff like um and they ended up i think it was 18 or 24 circuits that they had out there so they just did like one power drop and then they didn't they, even know they, they battery, battery operated yeah yeah uh, there were batteries on the back of the sign out there nice. and um yeah it was it was pretty cool they uh there were definitely some they it definitely kept the lighting department on their toes out there though because they were uh they were having you know they were having connectivity issues and you know oh, yeah um so uh when it came to you know coming here we talked through with our with our me uh about how we could you know potentially make that better and the designer uh paul whitaker uh had also said that he really didn't want the 12 volt lamps in it he really okay. wanted 120 volt lamps so we get more punch make it brighter well sometimes it's better right i mean it's yeah. at that point 
more power is always better. It's always better. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We want the show to be 10 times better than it was in LA. Let's get the 120s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never thought about it like that, Gareth. Um, And, uh, it's and all so about we, the marketing, Mike. Yeah. It's all about the marketing. It's good. I'll, I'll get you involved. <laughs> um, uh, so we ended up uh, figuring out how we could just do it with a cable swag. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's an a auto- lot of circuits, though. 18. It is. It is. It's three six-circuit molts that drop down to it. All right. Uh, and, uh, you know, and we said, we think we, we, think we can do this. All right. <laughs> sure enough, we did. So that's good. All uh, right. Yeah, and actually, the, getting the power to it was the easiest part of that entire process. Okay. Um, what we, was hard about it? Oh, everything else. Um, <laughs> we had, uh, uh, for anybody out there who's unfamiliar with the Atlantic, we're, we have a peaked roof in here. So uh, our, you know, our, there isn't, we don't have a grid. We don't have a, you know, we don't have anything particularly simple or easy to, uh, to hang anything from. So, uh not really been, built for overhead rigging, huh? And there's, not, you know, there's some, there's some uh, overhead beams. There's some beams that were put in some four by six steel, so that we do actually have some pick points, and we can, you know, make we can make, you know, most everything works pretty well in here. Um, but uh, you know, getting the sign that needed to really so it could get out of sight lines and out of the way of the projectors, because to make the show less complex, we added four projectors into the into the mix on this. I, so. I find that adding projectors always makes things less complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch out. Never crashes. <laughs> sure. Um, and, uh, oh, well, you know, and outside of the automation stuff, we also have live video that happens in this show. It's, uh, it is. Oh, wow. That's good. It's, yeah, it's a lot of technical challenges all the way around. It's got, it's got everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess as the production manager, you have to think about those things. I usually get to, as the automation guy, kind of like, well, that's, at least that's not on my plate. Right. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's yeah. All on your it, plate. It sort of does. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, so let's well, uh, can we let's can we dig into the the band yeah. platform a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. So what? Uh, so you had a an eleven foot six revolve on top of a revolve. Yes. And, yes. And what was that machinery? Is that something you guys? Where'd you source that from? No, we actually got that. Uh, we sourced that from Stage Machines as well. Okay. Nice. Um. Adrian has some, you know, seemingly an endless supply of friction drive turntables. Yes. Um, and, uh, and it's got a, a pretty slick double plywood layer, bolt together, CNC'd cut um, system to make the turntable tops. And uh, Is this his frameless design? Like, yeah. Is, yeah, just, just the lids, right? Just the lids. It's pretty, it's it's pretty, pretty good. astounding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice. Um, the first time I used one, I... I, I did not believe that it was going to work out as well as it did. Right. Um, and then we put it together in record time, and all of a sudden we had a turntable and it was moving. Right. It's like, wow, that's holy cow. Yeah, it's fast. <laughs> they are really fast to put together. It's a kind of brilliant. And Adrian, for anyone who doesn't know Adrian Davidson, is kind of a uh, he's a really brilliant designer. I mean, like mechanical yeah. designer. He he comes up with a, a fair number of mechanical solutions that kind of make your head twist to the side. And you're like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? You know? And then it's actually going to work. Is that going to work? And then you see it and you're like, oh, actually that works awesome. That, All right. That works really great. Yeah. 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 When it doesn't work though, it's, uh, it really doesn't work. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've had one. I had one of those on this show actually. All right. But, All um, right. So anyway, this was so a friction drive. And, yeah. and it's a band platform, so I assume you had to get like audio and power for li- you know, for the stand yeah. lights and things like that. Is that true? Everything. Uh no stand lights, but there was uh we have 
there were three malts coming up okay. um, through the through the center of the big turntable, um, and then popping out and running up through the center of the uh, of the little turntable. Okay. And uh, so it's been pretty, you know, uh, we were very concerned about how we were going to do it, and we're, you know, we're very careful about how many revolutions we're taking the the turntable, either of the turntables, at any one time. So uh, the most we're going is like like four hundred and seventy degrees, I think, in one direction. Oh, so you twist it a little past three sixty, but not crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and, and we're kind of going both directions. That took a that actually took quite a bit with our stage manager and and myself and our programmer taking a look at the uh, taking a look at the drawings and the scene by scenes and making sure that we were spinning in the correct direction. Oh yeah, that's a good point, <laughs> right? And then making sure, like at the by the end of the night, that you're resetting to the to actual zero, right? Back so to zero. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so often with a turntable, you can just kind of reset willy nilly, like line up your spike mark and be like, sure, it's zero. But if yeah. if in this case it's not zero, but actually three sixty, you're going to start ripping cabling apart. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have some excitement, um, <laughs> which uh, you know, which we didn't uh, which we didn't want to see. No, so, no. Um, we did actually run into on our band platform. Uh, there, it was a center. It was a center pivot, and the encoder was on the center. Uh, and our first pass at getting the cable in there um, caught the encoder and Uh-oh. ripped the encoder right out. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Adrian. <laughs> um, uh, that was uh, that was not. It was uh, it was a pretty rough moment when we realized what had happened. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and so what? Just to peel that back, Mike. What did happen? Like, what, did it? shoot off like a rocket did you guys have a was it in a queue that it what happened no you know we were running it manually because we had just put it basically we had just gotten it in okay and we were like all right let's try it let's see what happens to this cable bundle that's under here uh and it wrapped itself around the encoder and um and actually stopped the turntable from spinning wow um yeah yeah and we we're like why is it not going why Give is it more not cheese going? hit it yeah turn it up turn it up <laughs> I, something is wrong let's <laughs> yeah and then uh sure enough what was wrong was the cable bundle had wrapped around the encoder on the center oh. pivot. yeah and as we kind of detangled it and figured out what happened uh we we realized that we had just ripped the we ripped the connector of the encoder clear out of it oh, that sucks yeah yeah so um and uh, so that was a bummer. So then we had not only had, you know, no encoder on the <laughs> on the turntable, we had to take the whole thing apart and reimagine the center pivot yeah. because we clearly had figured out that we were not going to be able to do our original plan for the cable management. Right. So what did you reimagine it to? Uh, well, Adrian, in his, uh, you know, endless supply of parts, yes. um, sent us up a uh, an a new slew ring, a smaller slew ring, okay, and a friction wheel encoder. And so we uh, we redid the center pivot off this slew ring and okay. did our cable path up through the center, and uh, and put our encoder wheel way out on the outside. Okay, and uh, all of this this is all uh, driven up, so wheels are up on everything. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, and this this one he has like uh, he has some rollers, some from like a conveyor belt. Oh yes, I've seen those. Like the big, it, yeah, fairly large rollers. Yeah, big big rollers, like five or six inch diameter rollers, and they're uh, and they're totally moving this thing around. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, so that was that was definitely some excitement in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so that sounds like a good explanation of what went on on that band fl- platform. How about that? Uh, the sign. The sign sounds tricky. The one with you said that the circuiting ended up being the easiest part of it. What? Um, yeah. What didn't work out? So what? What was the harder <laughs> part of it? Well, I had to, we had started talking with Adrian um, about. Uh, well, I mean, I guess taking a step further back, several months ago, you and I started talking about whether or not we could yeah. come up with some, you know, some some custom new winch, winch idea yeah. here, and and everybody's schedule kind of you know, turn that one into a, into yeah. a, only a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Adrian and I have been talking about it and we came up with this, you know, he pulled some parts together and made us a, a little winch, um, that we thought was, you know, we thought we had everything that we needed and, you know, weight capacity, all that. We had intended to put it up in the ceiling and leave it. Uh, and then, you know, and then just, then we were done. And, uh, as we <laughs> Due to all sorts of other scheduling excitement, uh, by the time the winch got to us, we uh, we no longer could get up into the ceiling. Oh, because like the whole set's underneath you at this point, and you can't. Oh, uh, the the or... set was actually yeah, it was it was mostly three projectors and like four moving lights that were essentially exactly where we needed to put this sign. Uh, uh because you know the sign has to slide; it flies in and out in a. <laughs> this tiny little gap. <laughs> yeah, sure. It sounds like it's really crammed in there. Everything's crammed in there, huh? Everything is crammed in there. Yeah. Um and uh and so we decided to reevaluate the idea and we put the winch down on the floor uh and using a couple of your spot blocks, we you know, pulled our cable path up and managed to sneak our butts up in there in a extension ladder and, you know, a bunch of shenanigans to make it happen. But we got in there. <laughs> And um, and then we got the winch powered up, and uh, and something happened to the brake, uh, oh, and no. it and it just didn't. It it was just pulling. It was just going. As soon as we, uh, as soon as the brake released, it was just, uh, it was just, it was just running away, like falling down. Falling down, yeah. yeah. And we had, we had no. We just had a. You know, we didn't put the sign on it first. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> We just had a you know a sandbag hanging from it, but it was like oh god, this is this is uh, this is some rough. You know, oh, this, is, wow. this is potentially not good. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's really bad. Yeah, yeah. Adrian and I spent a whole lot of time back and forth on the phone. We tried peeling the you know we tried getting the brake to do its thing and to work the way it was should. And uh, ultimately, after I don't know a couple hours of it, Adrian just was like, ah. I'm just I'm gonna come down tomorrow morning with a new winch. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and so uh throw one in the back of the truck and go, huh? Yeah, yeah, which was fantastic. Uh, you know, and um pretty awesome that we that he was able to do it because that uh we had gone through I think though almost a full week of tech. Yeah. Uh without the sign, which is, oh. you know <laughs> which yeah. was starting to grate on everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's a big part of the show, obviously, right? That yeah, it's huge. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, we got it in there, which so, is awesome. So what did he swap it out with? What was the winch he brought down? Um, he brought down one of the old Feller deck winches. The cube ones the or the cube. Sta- Ah, the cubes. Those yeah. are – they're dense, but I like in terms of weight. But they're <laughs> really – I don't know. They're, they're a pretty cute little design. I, I admire those from their compactness. 
Yeah, we've I've used them in this space before uh, from Adrian as well, with also something flying in the space. And um, you know, they other than other than just needing to you know horse it into the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, we it dropped in and worked. Yeah. And we got the thing swapped out with Adrian here. It was uh, I don't know. It was like felt like. 25 minutes but i think it was more like you know two and a half or three hours we started it like on a (laughs) sunday it was like a sunday morning and we started we started it at seven and the sign was hanging and wired and working with lamps in it before we got on stage for tech at noon nice uh yeah it was uh it was pretty spectacular that we were able to make that happen yeah yeah and heaven you know i mean you're obviously a pretty sharp shooter yourself but to have uh adrian down there on site i'm sure was a big help because he's a He's big pretty, guns, man. Yeah. Big guns. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it definitely helped. Yeah, he's he's put in a few inches before in his life, like right? One or two, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was the sign, and then you mentioned something about uh, you, you have this affinity for railings. So well, were, were you able to work a railing design into this one, Mike? I knew we were. I know we how you were. like to do that. So. Shockingly, again, with some help from Adrian and his seemingly endless supply of, of gear. Parts. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, we were talking about this thing and we were talking about how this handrail has to pop out of the floor. And uh, we have a, we had a, a height restriction. We don't have a trap space. So our show deck is, we had 32 inches from the top of our show deck to our theater floor. Okay. Um, and that, that in and of itself is a pretty short railing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and once you take in, you know, mechanics and all the other business, we really ended up having like, you know, 29 inches. Um, yeah. And so we started out this idea. Um, we started out this idea about like, could we could we make like a little tiny scissor lift or something, you know, really narrow and just make this thing pop up and down, um, so that we could get it to go higher than you know thirty one inches um, or twenty nine, I guess. Uh, ultimately, we gave up on that idea because uh, the design team uh, the design team felt like. They could, you know, that it was okay if it was 29 inches high it's okay. for this one gag moment in the play. And um, uh, so Adrian came out with this. He said, so I have this push chain. Oh, yeah, that's nice stuff. <laughs> and and so he sent a video of this push chain. Like, like the Serapid push the, chain? Yeah, so there, there's two of them and one motor. There's a couple gearboxes, a drive shaft in there. And... Um, and we've got these two. There's a there's a piece of push chain on either end that pushes up the railing, gets it up to height, brings it back down. Um, so, and so for anybody who out there listening who doesn't know what that is, so push chain, um, Serapid is one of the people that make a uh, this push chain, um, and it's a product where uh, it's a bunch of steel links um, that in one direction you can roll it up, but in the but it won't fold the other way. So you can like say roll it up in a clockwise direction, but if you try to if you try to move it counterclockwise, um, it will uh, just turns into like a rigid column, if you will. Um, which, it's, go ahead. It's very cool and and still a little mind numbing about how it can fold and not fold. It's, yes. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat stuff, and yeah. It's anyway. It's it's a great use of it. So. Yeah, it was very cool. We there were definitely some challenges. You know, I mean, it wasn't just the chain that's there. There's also um, uh, a little drawer slide stiffener system that Adrian built in so that it, you know, so that it won't 
sort of stabilize it a little bit more. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we ran into a couple issues. We learned that it was really bumpy in for some reason when it was slow. So okay. now, so now it has to move quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, which, you know, is just something we, you know, it was, it was just an exciting bit. Um, yeah. And uh, and we of course did manage to crush the wooden part of the the scenery that was applied to this. Sure, of <laughs> to course. This machine. As you do, yeah, three yeah, yeah. times, yeah. <laughs> uh, as we were, you know, working the kinks out, if you would. No, uh, it'll work the kinks out for you. Don't worry, <laughs> stand back. Right into sawdust. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, a couple times. So it was that was pretty exciting. Um, and. Uh, you know, but we seem to have gotten after you know after just like enough time to sit down and tune it and play with it and you know fix some of the ultimately really give some more thought to what the scenery is that was applied to the machine. Yeah. We uh, we got to a place where you know it's uh, it's working it's working solidly right now. That's um, great. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. You know, it does what it needs to do, and nice. uh, yeah. So <laughs> so that's a that's a great great deep dive into what the machines were and I, I, it sounds like some some interesting challenges along the way i know that you and i spoke a couple of times throughout the process i feel like i was on the phone with you every day because <laughs> <laughs> even though this is uh, a lot of adrian's gear adrian of course uses uh still uses spike mark and stagehands for controlling the the machinery yeah. Um, so once you got past the initial installation headaches, um, you had your next set of headaches, right? Yeah, Which, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I know uh, – yeah, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because you were – since this was a co-pro, you were actually bringing in not just some of the machinery and then adding some of your own machinery or some of Adrian's machinery to the mix. But then you also had an existing show file, right? Yeah, we definitely did. We had an existing show file. And, uh, you know, we so we we brought in the – you know, we – put the turntable back down and we got everything connected and we opened up the previous show file and, and it was, uh, <laughs> and we were, I was comparing my notes with what the stage manager had in her notes about timing specifically. And, you know, uh, and I was like, man, there's something really wrong. Like she thinks this is 10 seconds and spike mark is saying that it's, you know, 35, what is going on? <laughs> and, uh, and then come to find out that we started running some of these cues and they were not actually completing in the time that it said it was completing in. Okay. And so the count is, was starting to go positive again, um, uh, in the, you know, in the queue, in the queue running. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the countdown timer. Yeah. 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 Or I think it actually goes negative. Like it's or negative. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it, right. So it shows you that you've, you're basically just continuing to exceed the amount of time that it should have taken. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and so we learned that on the turntable and that was pretty exciting. And then we also learned that on our roll drop, which was also really exciting. Uh, and that actually was more exciting because, we integrated the video in with the movement of the roll drop. Okay, so you had the you were using Watch Out, right? Yes, we were using Watch Out, and so you're tracking, you're trying to track Watch Out with the movement of the roll drop, huh? Yeah, so that you know, so that whatever image is on the drop as it's going up or coming in is staying, you know, staying static on the drop, so it looks like it's on the drop. It's a very cool trick when it's when it's yeah. working right. 
Yeah, and I remember us talking about it, and I, <laughs> and between the timing problems you were having, and then the problems you were having with Watch Out, I was like, yeah, this is all sounds like it's tuning because, because yeah. uh, ultimately, you know, you can make anything move in Spike Mark typically with very little tuning, but then to get it to actually run correctly, um, the tuning is really critical because the. The tuning governs basically how much energy is supplied to each motor to kind of keep it on track with where it's going. And if you don't give it enough energy, it'll still kind of get there, but it's just getting there really sluggishly and slowly. So a cue that's supposed to take like 30 seconds might take 40 seconds, 45 seconds, because there's just literally not enough gas. Like it's just – or not literally, figuratively not <laughs> enough gas uh, in the system to, to get, make the cue run. Um, right. And then <laughs> – and then we got into the discussion of like, yeah, and that's really critical with the projection stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's what I like to call the, the big simulator lie, um, which is that the that spike mark, when you're, rock, when you're trying to run projection output, our... Well, so, hey, Gary, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Can we take it back? What is it outputting? Oh, yeah. And how point. do we get there? Because... Because that is something that was also seemingly mysterious on this end. Yeah, absolutely. So what? It, so what? Spike Mark does when you, if you want to tie to projection in, you put the um, the Spike Mark computer and the Watchout computer or whatever you're using for projection um, on the same network and make sure they can see each other. Make sure their IP addresses are compatible. And then in Spike Mark under the Watchout menu, um, you can tell it to start sending the output out. And what that does is it sends uh, UDP packets um, out on the network that just contain um, simple little strings, like little text messages over the network that say this motor, like say the roll drop, roll drop is at this position, roll drop is at this position, roll drop is at this position. And it just does that over and over and over and over again as fast as it can. Or as, <laughs> um, and it tells – and as the roll drop moves in a queue – or as you jog it around, those numbers change. And then uh, Watch Out can take that information and do ugh, something. I don't, you know, it's like whatever you kind of want with it. It just comes in to Watch Out. Um, and typically you set up a formula inside Watch Out to do something with that data, um, with that number as it comes in to somehow manipulate the pixels on the projection. Yes, there's some black magic yeah. that happens in there. Yeah. Uh, but well, and, and so one of the things that we were running into, yeah, <laughs> well, to a couple of things that we ran into, uh, our projected images were racing away yes. as, the, as the roll drop would start to go <laughs> out or come in yep. and it was supposed to be tracking it. All of a sudden the projected image is just like rocketing away and the roll drop is, you know, just moving itself up. <laughs> um, yeah. And none of these moves were particularly slow. Right. Like none of the roll drop moves. We were pushing this thing to, you know, it was moving quickly. Um, and, and I came to find out after we were kind of like, you know, scratching our head about what the hell is happening here. I came to find out that in the previous version at the Geffen, this was something that they were chasing uh, from what I was told that they were chasing through closing at the Geffen, Ugh. that they had never, That's you know, brutal. they hadn't ever figured it out, you know, figured out how to solve it, which was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is pretty rough for everybody. Right. Um, and, and that's when you called yeah. when we started talking about it, because that's <laughs> that which is. A, so what really happens 
in spike mark like that i what i said before about how it just sends out motor information right well when it's actually running a queue the stagehand can't provide information fast enough about the encoder position of the motor um when it's running a queue it focuses tightly on actually regulating the speed and so It'll respond sometimes to Spike Mark's request for the actual position of the encoder, but since the stagehand is almost on autopilot to run the queue, it kind of blows off Spike Mark and is like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll get to you in a second. You know, when I, when I got time, I'll let you know what I'm doing." But just rest assured, I'm handling it. That's that's fine for automation, not fine at all for projection because like we really got to know right now what are you doing. So what we do in SpikeMark is we actually simulate that data. So when you start a queue, in order to get faster position updates, we just say, all right, we do the physics calculations to say, this is where the motor should be right now. And then we try to catch it up at intervals whenever we get real data back. But if we can't get a kind of smooth, steady stream of that, we even blow those off too. So it'll end up just being simulated data. So when you see the projection going faster than the piece of scenery, you know that this, what's happening is that the piece of scenery is not behaving within the laws of physics <laughs> if, <laughs> if it was really running at the speed programmed and the acceleration programmed. Right. And if it's not doing that, that means that the tuning is off, that the tuning needs to be tighter. Yeah, well, and that's definitely what we found out. And, uh, and then we figured out in this particular instance, we couldn't attain the speed... Right. The, the designer, the design team really wanted. Um, and so, uh, so I ended up uh, overdriving from the drive by uh, another 50%. And we got it to where people were happy with the total speed. Right. Because that was the other, yeah, like you said, that's the other problem you were running into is that now the cues, the cues have been programmed to go faster than the machine was act- actually even could move, right? Yes. At 60 hertz on the drive. At what, what, which would have been full speed um, natively, it yeah. was the queue was still running faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. was pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, and so uh, so you know, thanks for all that tech support and help there because we actually did get it and we got um, you know our video <laughs> team video was uh, was like in tears trying to figure out how to make <laughs> all of this happen and they couldn't for the life of them figure out why it was not working. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and then we kind of got all of this together and realized that there was a, a bigger issue that they were just never going to be able to solve. Right. Um, but now we've actually got it solved. Right. Um, and, so better uh, tuning plus overspeeding the drive, right? Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you know, our total actual speed needed to be, you know, it's some whatever it is at ninety hertz. I mean, I think the thing is moving in its fastest. It's going. Thir- 12 and a half or 13 feet in, I don't know, it's like five and a half seconds or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, five not, seconds maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Which is, it, which is brisk. It's not crazy, but it's brisk. It's not crazy, but it is definitely fast. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so that was exciting. And then we also learned, uh, as everybody, as things were calming down and people were getting closer and closer to finished video, uh, the video end of the world... They said, "Hey, Mike, how do I send? How do you send this UDP signal to our backup computer? <laughs> right? Because we have a we have a main and a backup, and you know it should auto switch. And there's MIDI business and go buttons um, to make it all happen. And uh, and I was like, huh, 
I have no idea. <laughs> hey, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. How do, uh, how do I do this? Has anybody ever asked you? <laughs> right. And that was funny when I got that email from you. And I was like, yeah, actually, nobody has ever asked me that question before. <laughs> um, but the, the nice thing about UDP, that protocol, is that built into UDP is the idea of a multicast um, or broadcast signal um, where you can uh, take that data and push it out to every computer on your subnet. Um, and so I said, eh, it's probably the easiest thing to do is just to punch in the, the multicast address, which is 255 on all segments, and that will broadcast it. Um, and you're like, have you done that? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, but I mean, you know, <laughs> no, no, but theory, yeah, but my, I mean, networking has been around a while, which, <laughs> you know, I don't think there's going to be bugs with that part of it. We didn't, <laughs> So, um, cause well, of course the way that network, you know, the way that networking works is that, uh, a socket connection like that really has two endpoints. And so your options are either to have open up multiple sockets, which in spike mark, there are not multiple sockets available for the, um, projection output or just to take one socket and broadcast. Right. Well, and that's something, you know, the multiple socket end of it was the question that came up from the video guys is I believe that Watchout is able to to do something like that, you know, with multiple addresses separated by a semicolon or yep. something. Um, and, you know, and when when, when I presented this, <laughs> the answer <laughs> of the, the 255, 255, uh, uh, I definitely got the uh, raised hairy eyebrow from <laughs> the entire video department. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I believe you. Like, ah, come on, let's try it. Yeah, it doesn't take you too long to punch that in, right? Not not long at all, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of done. So. Yeah. <laughs> and how did it work out, Mike? Perfectly. Yeah. Absolutely perfectly. So, and, uh, which is great. So that was a, that was a huge win on that front. Yeah. Um, you know, huge win. So it's pretty, it's a really cool feature. And when it's working and, you know, and lined up and linked up, it is, it is pretty slick the effect is pretty pretty intense that's cool so it, it, in the end it, it does work nicely for you guys oh yeah that's yeah great. it's great yeah working great except for i think as i mentioned that we had a high impedance air gap last night <laughs> the, uh, in the network connection <laughs> and it didn't and that didn't work huh with the cables unplugged uh, you know i mean hmm. it uh, uh, all who right knew? Who, knew? who knew exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah everything's good on that front otherwise cool yeah so wrapping it up, Mike, in terms of like kind of lessons learned, what do you I, – I often say to people when they ask, you know, like what's, what's one of the bigger things you got to do when you're automating a show? And I say it's – you know, oddly enough, it's the tech time. Like you save – what you save with automating stuff is you save like inconsistencies show to show um, and you gain a lot of like elegance of motion and um, – choreography of the scenery but that takes time (laughs) (laughs) it takes forever yeah oh my gosh and like uh you know i mean in this on this show in this case we had you know this roll drop flying in and out this band platform that was that is on top of a turntable uh and you know spinning on its own and you know like we can't get this thing to start moving if the roll drop is in the way (laughs) yeah we don't want to, you know, run through that with the with an entire, with, <laughs> knock the drum kit right off. <laughs> right, um, right. 
Uh, you know, and we uh, we were we were ambitious in our belief in our schedule to start with, and um, you know we uh, and we ran into we ran into several challenges on the load out from our previous show and the load in for this show, which just ended up pushing what we had imagined as some tech time and some dry tech time uh, prior to getting the cast on stage. Yeah, and that um, that definitely made it more challenging for us to get through. Um, you know, teching, you know, adding just time to work the automation is, uh, is, is a huge, huge task, right. uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's definitely an important piece and that's after it's working. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> after it's functioning and after it's tuned and <laughs> right. And I think it's a big adjustment because people don't like to, you know, even just down at Theater Under the Stars when we were putting in this um, remount of Christmas Story, you know, we were really starting to get squeezed between basically the the scenery was behind schedule and lighting was trying to get a jump on focus. And so (laughs) we'll we'll end up just not getting any time for automation. You're like, well, I mean, you know, we're happy to try to work with people. We're happy to try to work around everybody's schedule. However, this is going to, you do have to give it some respect for the time because we, if it doesn't work and we don't get the foundation nailed out now, you're just never going to have a good show. It, right. You know, it's, you're going to be chasing this all the way through the run of the show if we can't get this thing tuned up, rigged, solid, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, on top of, on top of that time, you know, I mean, it is like the automation is another piece. Focus, you know, lighting has a day for focus where nobody can, you know, have lights on. Right. Sound has time when people need to be quiet. So automation needs time when there aren't people on stage. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? It's like you just what you really need is is empty stage time where you yeah. can move things around without fear of injury. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and adding the cast into a show when there's. Even one axis of you know axis of automation is 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 a time suck on the you know on the tech day on your first day of tech uh, because everybody has to kind of learn where all the pieces are what it means to in this case step on and off of a moving turntable right. uh, you know <laughs> that there is a sign that's going to fly in <laughs> right uh, and stop you know <laughs> right uh, so it's you know keeping that in. Keeping the keeping that in mind is is only going to help the big picture, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, and it's a and it's definitely a tough it's a tough battle to 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 fight because you know time without you know rehearsal time on stage is is a is is hard to come by. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's it's very valuable, obviously, because everybody's yeah. contending for that same amount of stage time. It's a it's a uh, highly contested resource, you ah. might say, right? Yeah, yeah. To kind of squeeze in there. So, but it's important to try and do, or not yeah. try and do. It's important to do. Like you yeah, have, it is you have to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to. It just ends up. You know, <laughs> you're going to spend that time one way or another, right? Yeah. But it's like one way you're going to do it, and you're actually going to get a show that works. The other way you're going to do it is you're going to spend this time every day dealing with problems, and that's, yeah, nobody likes that. No, problem. no, that's not a good idea. It's tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and our last thing that, you know, is a, is our programmer, you know, whoever the programmer is, um, you know, spike mark is, is great to easy to use and easy for anybody to take a look at. It's, uh, you know, it's the, how quickly 
<laughs> it's how quickly things can be done is uh and and the confidence of yeah of creating a queue and editing a queue is um yep you know something that just comes uh, you know i think only mostly with time and you know experience doing it right. um you know that's uh but that can be that can be a challenge for everybody you know for the operator programmer it can be a challenge as well as for anybody on you know on stage yeah absolutely and it's like you said it's a big deal to to have that confidence um yeah because the uh, as you said, I mean, we do a lot of work to try to make Spike Mark easy to use, but that's it's different when everybody's breathing down your neck to move forward in tech rehearsal, right? Like, like yeah, we got to get this thing written and hit the button and go. And you got to you got to feel good that you've done the right thing, and that when you hit the go button, things are going to move as expected, and you're not going to cause a train wreck on stage, right? Right. I mean, that's, yes. that's the yeah. fear. Yeah. So. You don't want to, you don't want to crash something, you don't yeah. want to knock somebody off of something, you know, it's not a, yeah, not a good time. Yeah. 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 And I, it's funny that you bring that up. Cause one thing that I've been thinking more and more about myself and as part of creative Connors is, um, you know, getting a little more serious about the, about offering some level of training, you know, I mean, we've often thought that spike mark is really good enough, uh, or easy enough, I should say intuitive enough for anybody to pick it up. But, um, and I, and I firmly believe that's true, but if nothing else to have some sort of, if to have an environment where automation operators can come and play around in a controlled environment, um, that isn't a tech kind of demanding environment so that you have you can build some of that confidence sort of offline if you will i mean still using real equipment and so on but um yeah not not in the heat of battle and that it's something that we used to do with the stage automation workshop back in the day uh, adrian and i used to run the, these workshops and um that didn't that wasn't quite the right answer either because that, that had its own problems but um i don't know something something would be nice to, to for people to bone up their skills yeah yeah well you know i mean it's you know, something you know maybe it's just time <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just time that could be yeah that could be Cool. Well, that's that's great, Mike. That, thanks so much for uh, taking time to share those stories. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in there or anything you wanted to? No, I feel I've spoken enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. It's really, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to imagine for some folks, not for you, but it's hard to imagine for some <laughs> folks just like how um, how removed we are here at Creative Connor sometimes from the from the actual shows. I mean, we certainly go out and put gear in on rentals and stuff from time to time you know usually but that's usually maybe a half dozen times a year uh, or something like that and, and it's a it's much different uh getting to hear it really from folks that are out in the trenches putting up shows um many times a year we get spoiled here you know so nice to hear it from the horse's mouth yeah well hey thanks a lot for asking me to do it and having me with you Right on. Well, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best way for people to find out about the show. If you have things that you'd like us to talk about, uh, send an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com, and we'll see you guys next time.